When it comes to spiritual matters, a lot of people have been fooled. They have been fooled into inventing their own version of God. Basically, a God that suits them. A God that accommodates their lifestyle. A God with no absolutes. A God who is speculative, basically. A God who overlooks absolutely everything and has no specifics whatsoever. The devil has done a good number on our society by blinding them to believe that God is really like this. Like he is the mush God. The Bible says that the gospel of Christ is the power of God unto salvation. Welcome to Pulpit Power, featuring Pastor Tony Skeving, Senior Pastor of Fargo Baptist Church in Fargo, North Dakota. Today's message was previously preached before a church audience. And now, here's Pastor Skeving. Let's take our Bibles, please, at this time and turn to the book of Malachi. It's the last book of your Old Testament, Malachi chapter 3, if you would, please. I have some things to say today that some of you might not take too well. (laughs) You know, you may have heard something already and have that ingrained in your mind with a certain uh, worldview or a, a mindset, as we might call it. I've often said it's easier to be taught right the first time than to be taught wrong and have to be retaught. And so listen carefully and all the way through, please stick with me and be absolutely honest with the scriptures today as I talk about this subject, the mush God or the mighty God. And here in Malachi chapter 3, we have God talking. Notice as we pick it up in verse number 5, he says, and I will come near to you to judgment. And I will be a swift witness against the sorcerers and against the adulterers and against false swearers and against those that oppress the hireling in his wages, the widow and the fatherless, and that turn aside the stranger from his right. And fear not me, saith the Lord of hosts, for I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore, ye sons of Jacob are not consumed." Even from the days of your fathers, ye are gone away from mine ordinances, and have not kept them. Return unto me, and I will return unto you, saith the Lord of hosts. But ye said, wherein shall we return? I'm going to be talking about this passage and many others today as as I talk about the mush God or the mighty God. Let's pray before we begin. Our Heavenly Father... No doubt there are in the minds of these listening some confusion about what I'm talking about, but I believe we'll clearly understand in just a few moments. Father, we'll be talking today about something that is a blight upon our world and our nation in this 21st century. Father, I just pray now that you'd give us open eyes and hearts to see it clearly and that you would help us to listen carefully and that you would bless these next few moments in thy word. We pray now and ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I think it was Lincoln who said you can fool some people most of the time, and you can fool most people some of the time. The point is, you can fool people. And when it comes to spiritual matters, a lot of people have been fooled. Our society has been fooled. They have been fooled into inventing their own version of God. Basically, a God that suits them, a God that accompanies their lifestyle. And you may have heard it at the lunch counter, you may have heard it in a family reunion, where people are gathered around and suddenly the subject of religion comes up, and God comes up. And somebody will say, well, 
uh, to me, God is like this, or God is like that. God is a God of love. And uh, to me, God wouldn't send anyone to hell, and it's all to me, to me, to me. What they are saying is, I've invented a God that accommodates me. A God with no absolutes. A God who is speculative, basically. A God who overlooks absolutely everything and has no specifics whatsoever. The mush God. The mush God. Now, we know what mush is. Those of you who have been a parent, as I have, you fed babies. I fed five as they were little children growing up. And we know what mush is. Mush is something tasteless. It's something with no substance and no essence. The very word mush just speaks of something that's immaterial. It's flavorless. It's superficial. And when it's symbolically used, it's talking about something mushy. It's a joke. It's just mush. Well, that's the mush God we have in our society today. He has no standards. The mush God has no doctrine. The mush God really doesn't even have any preferences. He's a pushover. He's the mush God. He's non-confrontational. He is spineless. Uh, he is indecisive. He's non-threatening. He's not to be taken seriously in a nutshell. He's the mush God. Somebody by the name of Nick Hoffman some time back wrote an article entitled The Mush God. And he says, the mush God has been known to appear all over the world on Sunday mornings to a great many people who are wanting to relax and read the Sunday paper and have a nice cup of coffee. He's always there to soothe you and put your mind to rest. Always ready to tell you, you deserve to stay at home on Sunday and don't go to church. Just rest because you've worked so hard all week during the week. He's also eager to tell you about that really important game on TV or to remind you about all the things you need to do around the house this Sunday morning. During the week, the mush god appears all over the place. He appears with politicians at ribbon-cutting ceremonies, and he appears with clergymen speaking at the start of various governmental legislative proceedings. In fact, the mush god is the god that politicians always seem to turn to and refer to. The mush god approves of all of their philosophies. He is the lifeless deity a past president was referring to and suggesting that peace might come to the Middle East because the Egyptian president and the Israeli prime minister both worship that same great mushy one. The mush god is also the father of the unoffensive and harmless prayer. Most people just love to hear the mush god speak. Why, you could easily get him to give an opening prayer at the start of a hooker's convention. And he would gladly promise that no one at all would be offended. The mush god is very proud that his benefits and doctrines are completely non-irritating and non-offensive. The mush god's ministers are known by reverend and rabbi and father and elder and cleric and swami and so and so. It really doesn't matter. This mush god loves to interact with other people and he especially loves to show up whenever spiritual questions are being debated. He just loves to talk about his views on tolerance. The mush god has no theology to speak of. He is pure cream of wheat type of divinity. Here is finally a God that doesn't believe in strictness and rigidness. Never. His laws seem to be made out of rubber because they bend so much. You can take any of his laws and mold them into much more useful manners. People just love this mush God because he's so easy to get along with. What a convenient God. Oh, thank heavens for the mush God. The mush God has no particular doctrine, no tenets of faith. Nothing that would make it difficult for either the believer or the non-believer alike to nod their heads when he speaks. In fact, the mush God is not a jealous God at all and will gladly share the platform with any other gods that anyone else might have. Call him the God of the Rotary Club or the God of the Optimists or the God of the NFL 
or the God of anything. The mush God is the Lord of secular ritual religion. The mush God is a serviceable God who will fit in anywhere. His laws are not chiseled on tables of stone, but they're written on sand, which allows His laws to be open to amendment, qualification, change, and erasure. His laws can easily bend in with all the beliefs of anyone. Here is a God that will compromise with you. He will gladly relax the rules. Here is a God that is all too happy to look the other way. Here is a God who is a good friend to everyone. In fact, the mush God tells all His children that they can do no wrong, that all activities are fine with Him, and most people just love Him for that and are happy to follow Him wherever He might lead them. This is the mush God. A God of our own imagination. A God of our own concoction. You know, the second commandment says, Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image of God. Literally rendered, uh, no imagination of your own God. Basically, a God that suits you and a God that accommodates you. It's actually the darling sin of humanity, that second commandment here. The devil has done a good number on our society by blinding them to believe that God is really like this. Like he is the mush God. And we have a society with scales on their eyes, basically. I was there before salvation. I believed in that kind of accommodating, wishy-washy, mush God. In Acts chapter 9, when the Apostle Paul got saved, the Bible says there were as scales that fell from his eyes. What a picture of people who have never been born again the Bible way. There is a spiritual blindness there. And we sing that song, Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound, that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Twas what? Blind. But now I see. Have you had a time in your life when you were born again the Bible way and the scales fell off and you saw God for who He really is? Because if you haven't, you've bought into this mush God of our society. On March 5th, 1981, the scales fell off. I'm telling you, everything looked different from that point on. I heard things I wasn't catching before. I saw things I wasn't catching before. In fact, I I said, tell me I wasn't like that. Because when you get saved, I'm telling you, brother, you are different. You are different. And these past 30 years, I've been looking at society without the scales and watch the standards go down and down and down and down. And this mush God that I speak of today becoming more preeminent. You know, they think today that the God of heaven is like an old grandpa or an old teddy bear or an old Santa Claus. And basically, sin abounds today because nothing is sacred anymore in this this sex-saturated society in which we live. We have a, a people who are laughing at adultery, at housewives cheating on their, on their husbands, and, and, and thinking God's okay with all that. Well, the Bible says in Proverbs 14.9 that fools make a mock at sin. And society might be laughing long and loud, but God is not passively sitting by. You know what the Bible says in Psalm 7.11? God is angry with the wicked every day. The Bible tells us in the book of the Revelation that the cup of God's wrath is filling up. And the God of the Old Testament is still the God of today. The God of the New Testament is still the God of today. The Bible says He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And Psalm 711 says God is angry with the wicked every day. Now notice here in our text of Malachi 3, verse number 5, God's talking and He says, I will come near to you, notice, to judgment. Judgment. We know what judgment is. God's coming up close to judge His people. 
He says, and I will be a swift witness against the sorcerer. That sorcerer there, we, we get our word pharmakeia from it or, or pharmacy from it. It's, it's speaking basically of the drug traffic. We live in a, a drug-infested society. He goes on and he says, and, a, and against the adulterers, that's what we have going on so much today, and against false swearers and against those that oppress the hireling and so on and so forth, oppressors. And notice in verse number Six, he says, for I am the Lord, I change not, therefore ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. Notice, he's talking to his people, he says, I change not. He tells his people, you would have been consumed by now if it weren't for my righteousness. And then he says in verse 7, even from the days of your fathers, ye are gone away from mine ordinances and have not kept them. Now he could be just as well saying that the United States. We have not kept his ordinances. And then he says, return unto me and I will return unto you, saith the Lord of hosts. But ye said, wherein shall we return? In other words, what? What have we done wrong? You see, they have no fear of God. They do not realize who they're dealing with here in a nutshell. The mush God is their God. As we consider this issue today, let's look at first of all what I call the callousness of sinners. The callousness of sinners. Turn to the book of Acts in the 28th chapter, if you would. You know, I was sucked in, actually, to the mush god for many years. And I know what I'm talking about here today. And I know something about the callousness of sinners even after salvation. I've had time, ample time, decades now, to observe the human heart getting more and more calloused all the time. Here we find in Acts chapter 28, the last words recorded of the Apostle Paul in the book of Acts. And notice what he says in verse 27. He says, for the heart of this people is waxed gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes have they closed, lest they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and should be converted, and I should heal them. Now he's speaking here, he's actually quoting Old Testament, he's quoting God. And he talks about how the heart of the people is waxed gross. Their ears are dull of hearing. Their eyes have they closed. And he says here, lest they should open their ears and open their eyes and see. But they don't. We have a society that doesn't get it. We have a society that is calloused. Now, could it possibly be that you are one of these? You're thinking everything's okay, but maybe it's not. There are a lot of, quote, good people out there who are, quote, semi-sincere, but, but they are sincerely wrong. The Bible says of them in Ephesians 4.19, who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness. Notice, they're past feeling. They've given themselves over to lasciviousness. That's, that's a lewd, lustful lifestyle. That's how I describe that word. It says to work all uncleanness. And their hearts are calloused, especially spiritually speaking. Somebody said a callous conscience is like a, a snake in the heart. The Bible describes different types of hearts, seared consciences and seared uh, hearts and depraved consciences and dead and defiled consciences. Many years ago, there was a, a French aristocrat, a woman by the name of Madame du Defont. She was a high society lady back during the days of the revolution in France. And she was uh, a hard drinker and a card player. And one day she was in a bar with a group of people, probably a dozen or so at a table, a poker table playing cards, and she slumped over dead. And her, her face hit the table there, and everybody kept playing cards. 
They didn't even stop. They didn't even carry her out. It was such a time in the history of that country and those people where their consciences were so seared and so defiled, they thought nothing of it. But what's it getting like in our country at this time in history? The Indians had an old proverb about the conscience. They said, it's a three-cornered thing inside of me. And when I do bad, it turns and it, it hurts me as it turns around. But as I continue to do bad, the corners of that thing wear off and suddenly as it turns, it doesn't hurt me as badly anymore. That's really a good depiction of the conscience, isn't it? And that's really what can happen with our conscience in time. And our society has lost its sensitivity. And we read the last days what it's going to be like. In Romans 1.31, it says we're going to be backbiters and haters of God and despiteful and proud and boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents without understanding, covenant breakers without natural affection, implacable. You can't satisfy people. It's really the day and age in which we're living in. And the Bible says in 2 Timothy 3.7 that we're ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. We have a people group who just doesn't get it. Oh, they're ever learning. They're intelligent. They're into education. Uh, They reverence the halls of higher learning. But they're ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of truth. They don't get it. And they have reinvented God. The mush God, basically. We talk about being broad-minded now today. There's a book that's out now. It's on the uh, New York Times bestseller list called it Conversations with God. And it's made its way now into our public school system. Conversations with God is a, a book written by Neil Walsh and it's, it's basically given us God's mind and all the issues. And it's a depiction of people asking God's que- God questions and God giving them His answers back. One question says, I'm living with my boyfriend and My parents say I should stop sinning and marry the guy. Should I marry the guy? And God answers back, who are you sinning against? Not me. This is what our public school children are reading here. A girl asks the question, why am I a lesbian? God answers back, why you were born that way, just like you were born right-handed or you were born with brown eyes. Celebrate your differences, quote-unquote. So-called mush God. No wonder it's a bestseller. People love this stuff. There's another question asked within it. How can I get forgiveness of sins? God says, I do not forgive because there's nothing to forgive. There's no such thing as wrong, so I don't judge people. And people read that and kids read that. By the way, Oprah is endorsing this book. And people are are sucking this in, this mush God, and saying, okay, that's, that's what it's like. That's what God is like. Now, the Bible says plenty to expose the lies like this, and, and we could take the time to talk about it. But the bottom line is, this mush God prevails in our society. And nothing sacred anymore in our society is eating it up. This mush God. And by the way, when somebody spoke wrongly for God in the Old Testament, you know what happened to them? They were taken out and stoned to death. Basically, it was that serious. But people are clueless about the real God of the Bible. And we live in a day and age of what I call Christian humanism, basically. And people have been told you were born that way, so you have the right to behave that way. It really doesn't matter. God doesn't care. And when a preacher says, repent, society says, shut up and give me some pills, you quack. We don't want to hear that we're doing anything wrong or that it's our fault. And wickedness has just become weakness now. According to the mush God, anything goes. He's broad-minded. Somebody, and I think it was a fellow named Julian, who said, no one suddenly became depraved. 
It takes a little compromise that turns into moderate compromise that turns into big compromise in time. And pretty soon the conscience is pained less and less and less. Somebody said that most people are following their consciences like you would follow a wheelbarrow. Pushing it wherever you want it to go. And that is our society basically living any old way they want and pushing the standards any way they want them to go. And the result is this mush God who overlooks nearly anything and everything. And He has no doctrine and He has no standards and He really doesn't have any, any preferences. But is the real true Creator God that wishy-washy? My Bible says in 2 Peter 3.9, The Lord is not slack concerning His promise as some men count slackness. So you can go around putting all the words in God's mouth you want. But God says, I am not slack concerning my promises as you are, basically. And He's shown that over and over again in the Bible. You know, He had a certain way to worship Him and, and certain tenets to carry out in the ceremonial laws, even in the Old Testament. And, and a guy like Uzzah touched the ark and shouldn't have. He handled it irreverently and God killed him. Or men like Nadab and Abihu, they offered up strange fire and the fire of God fell on them and incinerated them. Now, I'm not saying the God of the Bible is, is, is 100% bully, but I am saying He's not to be messed with. The Bible says the Lord is not slack concerning His promises as some men count slackness. He is dogmatic when it comes to truth. What about salvation? When it comes to salvation, is He really that dogmatic? Well, he is. In fact, the matter is, he has only made one way to get to heaven. Now, this might sound narrow, but I didn't come up with it. God says there's only one way to heaven, and that's through the shed blood of his Son. You don't get to heaven by doing good works. There are not many different ways of getting to heaven. I've heard ministers get up and talk about how it's like the spokes on a bicycle wheel. All these spokes just lead to the same place. Right in the middle you find God. And all these spokes just represent different religions and different doctrines and different ways of getting to God. Well, that might sound good, but that's not what Jesus Christ said at all. Christ said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh unto the Father but by me. So where does that leave Hinduism? Where does that leave reincarnation? Where does that leave Buddhism? Where does that leave Islam? Where does that leave all the other isms? Basically, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ and believe what he said, he was either lying or he was Lord when he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh unto the Father but by me. In fact, Peter, later on, said in Acts 4.12, neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. That's pretty narrow. It says, neither is there salvation in any other, speaking of Christ, there is none other name given by God under heaven whereby we can be saved but Jesus Christ. Now the mush God says there's many different ways. But Christ said, He's the way. So who are you going to listen to? We see, first of all, the callousness of sinners. But secondly, we see the carnality of society. Now, you're just a page or so away. Flip over to Romans chapter 1, if you would. You know what the whole problem with our society is? The, the reason it's so carnal? We have no fear of God. The bottom line is we have lost our fear of God. Nothing's wrong anymore. Omar Bradley was a, a great general during World War II and a great hero. He died here a, a, some years ago. But he said this. He said, our world has achieved brilliance without conscience. He said, we have nuclear giants and ethical infants. That's pretty good, isn't it? Our world has achieved brilliance 
without conscience. He said, we have nuclear giants, but ethical infants. And we have pushed the true God out of the picture. Notice here in Romans chapter 1, verse 28 says, And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. In other words, which are ungodly. But notice the problem. They didn't like to retain God in their knowledge. They didn't want to be accountable to God. They wanted to do whatever they pleased. They did not like to retain God in their knowledge, so God gave them over to a reprobate mind. Basically, a mind void of judgment. That's what reprobate means there. A mind void of discernment. They just don't get it. And that's the society we live in. And the bottom line is, there's no fear of God. May I give you a great verse back in Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 12? If you don't have a life's verse yet, boy, this is one I'd take. It says, What doth the Lord thy God require of thee? But to fear the Lord thy God, to walk in all his ways, and to love him, and to serve the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul. You talk about a verse that really sums up what it's all about. Young person, this is why you're, you're here. It's not about society, it's about God. And what doth the Lord thy God require of thee? But to fear the Lord thy God first. In other words, have a healthy reverence and respect for Him. Notice, and to walk in all His ways, and to love Him, and to serve the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul. That's why we're here. This is what we're supposed to be doing. And yet, Peter writes and he says, Know ye this, that in the last days scoffers shall come. We live in a day of scoffers. Who say, where's the promise of His coming? And all things remain the same. And the sun rose this morning just like it did yesterday. And, 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 and God who? You know, basically, scoffers. And the Proverbs talks a lot about scoffers. We have Christian scoffers, quote unquote. No fear of God. Who are oblivious to the mighty God. They've swallowed the mush God. They've reinvented God. They've been brainwashed. Notice here in Romans chapter 3, just a page forward. It says in Romans 3 and verse 11, There is none that understandeth, there is none that seeketh after God. In other words, the real God. There are none that are seeking after the real God. Maybe the mush God, but not the real God. You know, I was talking about Africa here before the service a little bit. There, I, I think it's seven countries I counted that I've been to Africa now. But uh, I've spent the most time in Botswana. And in Botswana, the second largest city is Francistown. And in Francistown, Botswana, in the southern part of Africa, in Francistown, the AIDS rate is just under 40%. In other words, 40% of the people of that city, it's a city about the size of the FM area here, 40% of the people are dying of AIDS. Think about that. Now, as you witness to them, I found this incredible. As you show them God's morals... As you show them God's commandments, as you show them what God says about sex outside of marriage and fornication, they're shocked. It's like nobody's ever told them this. And it's kind of just a matter of uh, nobody was saying anything, so we really didn't know. And, and that's the way it is in America today. So few are saying anything about it, so people are thinking it's the norm. Pretty much everyone is doing it, and, mu- and God must be okay with it. You know, back in Second Kings, in the latter chapters of that great book, uh, there had been one king after another that was the pits. And the last one, Ammon, had a son by the name of Josiah. Ammon died young. Josiah took over the, uh, the throne at a young age and was nurtured up by a godly high priest. 
And when he was old enough, he, he called for a remodeling project in the temple, the church building, if you will. And as they were remodeling the church building, they found, guess this, uh, they found a Bible. <laughs> I mean, they'd been so long without it. He comes out with the Old Testament scrolls and he said, blows it off and said, look what we found in there. And King Josiah said, well, start reading that thing. As they start reading it, he realizes God had some opinions on some things. And he, he began to hear all the thou shalts and the thou shalt nots. And he was shocked and he, he tore his garments and he said, I can't believe it, what we've been doing compared to what God says we should be doing. That's what it's like today in America. You know, God has some thou shalts and thou shalt nots. But the general spirit of society is they're oblivious to it. They don't know that because they've reinvented this mush God. God has always had some opinions. But, you know, if you repeat a lie long enough, everybody just starts to believe it. Young people, you think that what's going on out there in society amongst our culture today is the norm. You take your cue from the world. You say, well, that's just the way it is. No, you've been sold a bill of goods. I'll tell you what. You have been lied to if you think the world is the norm. If you think that immorality is the norm. One author wrote this. He said, sex, never repress it. Never be against it. Rather, go deep into it with great clarity, with great love. Go like an explorer. Search all the nooks and corners of your sexuality. And you will be surprised and enriched and benefited. Knowing your sexuality, one day you will stumble upon your spirituality. Then you will become free. The future will have a totally different vision of sex. It will be more fun, more joy, more friendship, more a play than a serious affair like marriage as it has been in the past. Notice this. Knowing your sexuality one day, you will stumble across your spirituality or get venereal disease or something else, I might add here. But you see, this is what they've been telling our society. The famous atheist Huxley once admitted, and I quote, he said the reason he and many of his contemporaries accepted Darwinism or evolution, even without proof, is because, quote, we didn't want God to interfere with our sexual practices, unquote. Does it make sense to you now? Do you see who this mush God is? And do you see why our society thinks the way they think now, basically? My Bible says in Hebrews 13, 4, marriage is honorable in all and the bed undefiled, but whoremongers and adulterers God will judge. Now, it used to be just Hollywood that had the alley cat morals, but now we see it all around us. We see it accepted even in politics. We see men reach high offices who had, have had multiple affairs and, and still have, instead of blessing and shame and, and going off into obliviousness, they, they, they become rock stars basically even in office and once they leave office. Because you see, it doesn't matter in our society anymore. And the Christianity of the United States has really become a joke to the rest of this world. And we wonder why we lead the world in violent crimes, in divorce rate, in, in sexual morals that are the pits, in hypocrisy, in raunchy humor, in greed, in materialism, in, in self-centeredness, in being unethical. In Isaiah 59.14, God writes of a nation about to fall. He said, judgment is turned away backward, and justice standeth afar off, for truth is fallen in the streets. Notice, judgment has turned its back. 
Justice is standing way yonder over there. Truth is falling in the streets. Chalk it all up to the mush god, basically. Look in Psalm chapter 2, if you would. We need to get back to the Bible, folks. Don't you think for a moment God is some kind of feeble old grandpa in a rocking chair up in heaven, wringing his hands, wondering what it's all going to come to here? No, no. I want to show you what God has always been like and is like even yet today. In Psalm 2 and in verse 1, it says, Why do the heathen rage? And people imagine a vain thing. The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against His anointed, that's Jesus, saying, Let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. In other words, we don't want any God ruling over us. We don't want any God that we have to be accountable to. Let us cast the cords off us. Verse 4 says, He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. It's a joke. Man's a joke. The Lord shall have them in derision. And then shall he speak to them in his wrath and vex them in his sore displeasure. Just wait until the tribulation period, folks. And that's another whole, whole sermon. We see the callousness of sinners. We see the carnality of society. But finally, let's talk about the challenge of the saints. This is missions month here. What's the challenge to us? Let me challenge you by saying, don't get used to this society. Don't you let it uh, put its impression or stamp its impression on you. Don't, don't get to the place to where you don't even notice the, the whiff of it anymore. Reminds me of a fellow who owned a, a, a place out in the country. And somebody bought the farm about, uh, oh, two, three, four hundred yards away and turned it into a turkey farm. And as the northwest wind blew day after day, the, the smell of the turkeys came into that, that owner's yard. And he went over there and knocked on the door and said, you've got to get rid of those turkeys. And the, the guy said, well, you know, I will in time. Just a hobby. And, and the, the, the weeks turned into months, and the months turned into years, and the guy didn't get rid of the turkey, and it didn't matter because the first neighbor, he just got used to it. And folks, in the same way, we can get used to this society to where you just go, what? I, I don't notice it anymore. That's the danger. Oh, well. And we dare not compromise the Scriptures. Look in Matthew chapter 5, if you would. You know, someone said, cowardice asks, is it safe? And consensus asks, is it popular? But Christ asks, is it right? Is it right? That's the bottom line. Notice here in Matthew chapter 5, doesn't matter if it's safe or popular, is it right? And in Matthew chapter 5, and in verse number 13, Jesus says to Christian people, ye are the salt of the earth. But if the salt have lost its savor, wherewithal shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing, but to be cast out and be trodden under the foot of men. He's saying to Christian people, you're the salt of the earth. Keep your savor. Salt was a preservative in those days before refrigerators. And if salt had lost that savor, it was good for nothing. They just threw it out and they just trod it under feet. Verse 14, he says, You're the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick. And it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. That is the challenge to the saints. To let your light shine. To retain your soul. 
Who will stand if we don't as a New Testament church? You know, a New Testament church is not the joke of society. It's not the footstool of society. A genuine New Testament church is to be the conscience of a society, basically. And by God's grace, this church is going to serve to be a conscience, if nothing else, in this community through the airwaves, through the printed page, or whatever else it might be. God help us to take our stand. In Acts chapter 17, we find Paul the Apostle wander into the city of Athens, Greece, the intellectual headquarters of, of the first century at that time, the capital of, of the intellectuals, basically. And he saw nothing really but a heathen society. In Acts 17, 16, it says, Now while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was stirred in him when he saw the city holy or totally given to idolatry. They had thousands of gods, thousands of mush gods, basically. Thousands of philosophies, thousands of doctrine, pitiful doctrine. But we have the same thing in the 21st century. You know, we are in a missions conference during our missions month here, and this world needs the message that God gives in His Word. This world needs the gospel, plain and simple. Where are the preachers that will proclaim that message? There was a a professor in a well-known seminary who recently said to his Bible college students, remember men, preaching is now a profession. Dismiss the old idea of the sweating evangelist in a tent meeting in a sawdust floor. In other words, preaching is now a profession. I have news for you. It's not a profession with me. It is a passion with me, plain and simple. And Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9, 16, Necessity is laid upon me, yea, woe is unto me, if I preach not the gospel. I am passionate about what I preach. And I am sick and tired of the devil having a monopoly of the day and age in which we live, and Christian people sleeping, and churches entertaining goats, basically, instead of feeding sheep. God have mercy on us. We read in Psalm 85, 6, Wilt thou not revive us again? that thy people may rejoice in thee. So what do we do as God's people in these last days living in this society with this mush God that we have? Well, number one, stay in love with the Lord. Stay in love with the Lord. It's not my responsibility to keep you in love with the Lord. It's not anybody else's responsibility to keep you in love with the Lord. The Bible tells us in Jude one twenty one, keep yourselves in the love of God. So read your Bible daily and pray and keep yourselves in the love of the Lord. Secondly, Stay loyal to the Lord's church. And I can't emphasize that enough. We read in Ephesians 3.21, speaking of God, it says unto Him, Be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. Notice it tells us that God gets glory through the local church. Throughout all ages. That would mean this age. It will transform your life when you embrace the mystery of the local church. There was a dear lady in this church who had been kind of hit and miss as far as faithfulness goes. And, and she was studying the book of the Revelation with my online series. And she listened to those first messages there in the seven churches of Asia Minor, Minor where I stressed the importance of the local church. And she emailed me here the week before last to say it transformed her life. She said, God, forgive me for not being more faithful to the local church. Do you get it? There are some who don't get it. There are some who wants got it. And they've lost it. And now the church to them is ho-hum. That kind of thing. And you will dry up. And you'll not stand for God in these last days. So stay in love with the Lord. Stay loyal to His church. And finally, get your eyes into the fields which are white into harvest. This is missions month. Don't be affected by the world. Affect the world. You see the difference? 
Instead of the world wearing off on us, let's wear off on the world. Let's be that salt, that light that we ought to be. Let's take that stand for our mighty God. I close with this verse. Joshua 4.24 says that all the people of the earth might know the hand of the Lord, that it is mighty that they might fear the Lord your God forever. And so I say unto you in closing, is it the mush God for you or is it the mighty God? Let's take our stand for the mighty God. Amen. You've been listening to Pastor Tony Skeving of the Fargo Baptist Church in Fargo, North Dakota. If you would like a CD of today's message, you can obtain one by sending a gift of $2 to Fargo Baptist Church, 3303 23rd Avenue South, Fargo, North Dakota, 58103. That address again, Fargo Baptist Church, 3303 23rd Avenue South, Fargo, North Dakota, 58103. We hope you'll join Pastor Skeving next time right here on Pulpit Power. Pulpit Power is a production of Heaven 88.7.